All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. There you go. Kiss them guns, baby. Hot damn, Lou. The NFL season is officially on its way, and week one is in the books. We waited six months to get to this week, and I would say in many different ways, week one did not disappoint. No, I'm, I'm excited, Weston. Uh, finally, Sunday has purpose. Uh, I'm already anxiety riddled, so I feel comfortable now being uh, being anxious. Uh, I am now doing you know, decimals in my head on Sundays because of fancy football. So, yeah, all, all's right in the world. Yeah, well, not all's right in the world because DK Metcalf can't hang on to the football and that that fumble at the end, I literally lost in one league by 0.24 because of that. Uh, <laughs> gotta love fantasy, right? Awesome. Oh my God. And I knew it was going to happen when they threw that little bubble screen. I'm like, watch, he fumbled this. And then he fumbles. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. Like that was literally like the, the cushion I needed to feel comfortable. And then he fumbles it. So neither right. here nor there. Um, obviously we're going to get into festivities in, in a moment. But like before we do, let's just quickly remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, that's primetimesportstalk.com, your go-to for sports content Lou you already said how you you enjoyed the the first week right like Sundays have purpose it's no longer the Lord's day it's our day on Sundays maybe <laughs> Monday nights maybe Thursday nights depending upon how the schedule actually shakes out but the Sunday um, is we're breathing life back into it now it has been a few months quite a few months since our last weekly recap show so if you would do the honors, Lou, let's take a moment just to remind listeners how we roll here at the We're Talking Football podcast for our weekly recap segments. So first and foremost, we start off with our hometown takes. Me being a, a, a beloved Chargers fan and Weston being a, a faithful 49ers fan, we discuss about uh, pretty much the teams that we follow, the, the good and the bad uh, that we saw from the previous weeks. We go into that into further detail. Next, we then discuss freaking out. Uh, pretty much, if you are a fan base, what are you freaking out positively about that you're excited? And also, what are you freaking out negatively about? Pretty much that like, oh, no, you know, we suck type stuff. So we're, then we after that, we then take a journey down to the offensive and defensive players of the week. We highlight some players that balled out. Uh, from the previous week. Uh, last but not least, we talk about pretty much things that we are watching for, like upcoming matches. Uh, could be games, could be games within the games, could be games within the games within the games. Uh, and then we do some fantasy football, albeit we're not going to do it uh, this week because it's only week one. Start start your studs, guys. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, so I'm sorry to uh, disappoint you all, but we will get back there. And last but not least, so once again, uh, we do the pickums. So we just basically go through the schedule for the you know the week and say who's going to win. Yep. 
on real that disclosure, page. Those, 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 real quick disclosure, though, I won that. I won the pickums last year, but uh, I think uh, I might have my work cut out for me after week one. Yeah, I won't give it away, but you do have your work cut out for you week one. Not that I it got, was good good for anybody, but <laughs> I, I, I got too cute. Yeah, um, you know, but that's why I love week one, right? Like even the obvious, like it's not There's so no obvious because yeah. yeah, you you know, unless you're like. Unless you are literally – there's so much turnover in the league, right? New head coaches, new additions and players. Nobody plays in the preseason anymore. Very – it's not very often you see somebody coming out week one rolling on all cylinders unless you're like Patrick Mahomes, which we saw. Well, yeah, we'll talk the about. Him, and the, him and the Bills, yeah. Exactly. Chiefs um, and the Bills. Yeah, so – but back on that fantasy note for just a moment. So intentionally we're leaving this off. Lose 100% right. Like we're going into week two, play the people that you picked. Week one is not an indication. And unless you think going to pick up uh, Cooper Rush is going to help you win your fantasy football season, like I, I don't see anything that's major on the waiver wire that's going to make or break you right out of the gate. So you're, you're sticking with your players. If they floundered in week one, you give them at least through week three to see how it goes before you really start making those moves. So that will come back as a segment. So, Lou, before I let you take the honors on this Chargers-Raiders uh, game, I was thinking about you the other night. So we do – Hey, we now, have, hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> hey now. Hey now. You're not going to like how I was thinking about you, though, okay. just so we're about to be clear. Um, we are, we've, we've joked at nauseum on this show about my choice of television, right, that I'm a 70-year-old retired man. The, the CBS TV that I watch. an infomercial yeah, yeah. 2.30 in the morning type of guy. 100%. Forensic files late at night. So – Late at night, I was watching a Forensic Files show, and they were interviewing a guy who um, basically like was a witness to like what what took place. And they knock on his his door, and this guy probably lives in like the middle of like Nebraska. And they knock on his door, and he walks out, bro, and he's wearing a throwback Chargers Bolt T shirt. <laughs> so I'm thinking of you and I'm like, oh, a Bolts fan. Then I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's in the middle of Nebraska. He definitely copped that for 50 cents at the Salvation Army. <laughs> Somebody told hey, we, we, we used to be a thriving fan base, Wesley. I was expecting for it to say like 1995 Super Bowl champions, the ones that they <laughs> no, those they are all in, just in case. <laughs> those are all in Guana. Those are all in Guana right now. Bro, I was dying. I told you all this work I'm having done at my house right now. I'm like sleeping on the couch. I like I wanted to wake. I was laughing to myself, like thinking of all these jokes I was tell you and i was like i wanted to wake my wife up at two o'clock in the morning like listen how funny this is but she would have been like i hate you i'm going back to bed <laughs> all right your 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 podium sir tell me what you you saw the good bad the ugly and everything in between yeah so uh first and foremost in los angeles the stars showed out up in los angeles uh let's it's crazy but i'm gonna be starting off for the defense i don't think you can really um start talking about the good when it comes to this Chargers Raider game, if you don't first address the defense, um, Khalil Mack, he's still that guy. Uh, everyone said he was washed up, and I was pretty adamant he wasn't. But being washed up means you know you have three sacks, five pressures, four QB hits, and a forced fumble. Then he's all soaps and suds because he's clean. He was clean this game. Uh, he was he was fantastic. He 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 really brought it. He brings a dimension of physicality, which uh, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, 
constantly preaches they want to play bully ball. You need to do on both sides of the trenches. Uh, it was fantastic watching them not getting pushed around. He he assisted in the you know the pass rush. He assisted in the running game. Um, it just was refreshing that Joey Bosa didn't have to do it by himself. Speaking about him and Bosa, they combined for 16 pressures, four and a half sacks, and two turnovers, two forced fumbles. Um, I was a little ca- – I try to, you know, have everyone be a little cautious about this defense going to take some time, you know, to really gel. I know week one is infamous for overreactions, right? You know, that's what we – you know, that's what we're saying. Um, but – it looked like they gelled pretty quick, you know, both Bosa and Max. So they do make one a, a fantastic, formidable duo from the from the edge. All in all, the story was about this game was was about the defense and the improvements on the defensive side of the ball and how they really showed up. The Chargers' defense had five sacks in total, three interceptions. It was constantly bringing that pressure, and it wasn't against no slouches. This Raiders' offense, I think, is a fantastic offense. There's so many options here. You have, you have Devontae Adams, you have Waller, you have Hunter Renfro, but <clears throat> the Chargers were just really able to match up well, uh, you know, against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I firmly believe it's because of all the additions on that defensive side of the ball. It, what it basically allowed them to do, and we've said this a couple of times, so for people who do listen, it's going to sound a little repetitive, is the fact that they're, be, they're able to bring Derwin James close to the line of scrimmage. It's a problem. It really is. You have to listen to what Mina Khan's. She went over all the positions that he lined up and the number of snaps he lined up. He lined up an inside linebacker, edge, slot cornerback, uh, strong safety, free safety, outside cornerback, too. So um, that is really what they were able to do on the acquisition of defensive side of the ball really helped freed up Durbin James. And you can just tell Durbin James at times on third down was, was uh, guarding Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro was asleep this game. Three catches, 21 yards. On that fourth down, when Khalil Mack had the game-winning sack, guess who was on Devontae Adams on the outside? Derwin James. One-on-one, Derwin James with Devontae Adams, man. Obviously, Carr was looking towards him. Uh, James put those clamps on, couldn't get open, and then, boom, the rest is history. So um, you saw also James you know, applied a sack early in the game. So it just was really impressive from a defensive standpoint uh, and refreshing because Herbert didn't have to win this game. Normally, if this was like last year or the year before, they're losing this game because the defense is not holding. Defense can't hold. But, you know, this they finally have a defense to, you know, to bring along with the talents of Herbert. So it was really refreshing watching the defense close out. Yeah. You mind if I jump in for a second, just based Go on ahead. The inter- Hey man, hey man, the water's warm. warm jump on yeah. it. Yeah, stop peeing in it. Um, <laughs> that being said, I talked about this leading in that like what the additions were going to do for like Derwin's value, and I told you right, sleeper sleeper pick for defensive player of the year. Like he's going to mm-hmm. be in that many positions. And typically, you'd be the first to admit that the Raiders seem to be a team that, like, have had the Chargers numbers, right? Like, we just talk about it, like, from time to time, right? Like, it's just, like, like it's always a tough game. It's always competitive. And this game didn't feel like, yeah, it got a little close at the end and a little hairy. But, I mean, Chargers were playing with fire, had the lead. But what they have never seen is Derwin used in that capacity. And for, then, the, for that duration during the game. So, yeah, there's yeah. times where he'll, 
we'll drop down the box, what have you. But like he would for the most of the game, he just he wasn't, you know, towards the back end of the defense. He was close to that line of scrimmage for the majority of the game. I just feel like with this new wrinkle and what they can do with him, you know, is instead of calling out who the mic is, like you need to be like, where's three? Right? Like, where's three and how do we scheme away? And then you mentioned like the whole with with Khalil Mack. Forget like what Mac's capable of on on his own. It's another person you just have to pay attention to. That means Bosa's going to see less double teams. It's just a fact, right? Like, and he's a super talented individual. So that's going to, I mean, dude, they had four and a half sacks between the two of them. Yeah. Six sacks for the game. You picked Carr off three times. And oh, by the way, JC Jackson wasn't even on the field. <laughs> so that's what's really impressive. The fact that their star corner that they acquired this offseason wasn't, you know, didn't, wasn't on the field at all. Uh, because of injury, well, not injury, uh, medical procedure. Uh, all that being said, it was interesting because it wasn't just the pass rush always getting to car. Some of those sacks were coverage sacks. Oh, yeah. So meaning what they didn't have last year was the communication, the back end, and the secondary, right? Uh, a lot of big plays. Uh, they were accept- accept- susceptible to a lot of big plays, and pretty much uh, the pass rush couldn't get there. So – they just played so well together going from, you know, the back end to the front end. If it wasn't the a pressure from the front end, uh, it was the back end holding up and then forcing Carr to hold the ball. So then eventually the pressure got there. So they were really working, to, you know, together on, on both sides. Uh, I mean, on, on the front and the second, uh, third level. Absolutely. You, um, are you rolling into the bad? Or are you no, 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 man. This is week one. We're, we're, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm this was a revenge game too, man. I'm, yeah. I'm doing some more good real quick. Uh, how do you have to talk about the offense? First and foremost, Herbert throws. Usually there's like three or four of them. Uh, go take a look at them. There's one, one throw where pretty much Chandler Jones is holding his plant leg as he's throwing and Herbert's doing the split as he's firing the ball, probably about like, you know, 12 yards down the field into, uh, you know, Everett's hands and for a completion. So he's basically throwing and doing a split at the same time. Insane, insane play. So the Herbert throws were once again, good. Um, in addition, this is controversial. I thought the old offensive line was pretty fair, uh, pretty well, uh, especially with that pass rushing duo of uh, Chandler Jones and also uh, Max Crosby, especially when I still have those memories of last year, what Crosby did to, you know, uh, the right tackle position. So looking at the right tackle position, they had uh, you know that vaunted right tackle position that we said the you know, Chargers should have addressed it in the offseason. Trey Pipkins did hold up somewhat. He only allowed two pressures in total. But um, some people would be quick to point out that Herbert was pressured on 42.9% of his throws, which was really high, and that basically Herbert was balling, you know, bailing out the offensive line. I thought the offensive line did good. And you don't have to be – when you have a mobile quarterback – as you can attest to, you don't have to have a, a dominant offensive line like those Cowboys from like 93 to 97 type of stuff. You don't need that. You just need good enough to buy time because that's what an offensive line pretty much – that's what a mobile quarterback does for an offensive line. It, it can buy them time to for pass blocking. So if this was Philip Rivers now, guess what? <laughs> you know, he's a statue back there. You know, then it would probably have been a problem. But – uh, I, I digress. Uh, I also did a good job of avoiding penalties. Uh, you, you know, penalties and charges and Raiders are all synonymous. 
uh, when, when you talk about that. But I thought that was fantastic. They, only had, they had five penalties for the 21 yards. That's a huge win. What that basically tells me is that this team is playing smart, it's playing fast, and knows their assignments and knows what's expected of them. So I thought that was pretty fantastic to not have any you know huge penalties as well. And last but not least, the role players ste- stepped up. Keenan Allen, you know, he had 66 yards in the first quarter, right? I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be one of those games. And he went out with a hamstring injury. So what happened? You know, you had Carter stepped up for a nice touchdown. He was balling out in, the, in training camp. And then you had Everett, too, uh, had some you know nice catches and runs after the catch, which he is known for. So uh, good for, it's good to see them step up, and being that they are new to the system. So that's pretty much my good in a nutshell there. Um, you, you mentioned the DeAndre Carter. I think that's a that's a good feather in the cap, right? Like um, to to have a, just another receiver in the offense, like step up. And people are going to sleep on DeAndre Carter because you go back and look at his career. He's a journeyman. You know, mm-hmm. last year is when he finally started getting some reps um, with the Washington football team. Now the Commanders, but I'm going to continue to call yeah. them the Washington yeah, football I'm, team because I, I, I what, love that. Yeah, versus. I'm, I've lost, I've lost, you know, track of their names. Yeah, at this point, I, and I don't even care. They're still, the, they're just going to remain the Washington football team to me because I actually, it grew on me and I like it. But nonetheless, he started to emerge a little bit. And I, I keep me honest when we talk about Herbert's throw, like the touch, I think the touchdown pass to DeAndre Carter was just like superhuman, right? Yeah, like it, it was, it was like it, it literally looked like uh, I was watching the game and fast forward and just, you know, just oh my god. By. And uh, someone on, on Twitter, I think it was like Benjamin Solak, he, he was showing – not only did you show the touchdown, but sh- he showed uh, Diablo on the Raiders, who won the safeties, it's like his reaction after like the touchdown. Like he just couldn't believe that he couldn't get over there quick enough and that like it had like that much, you know, mustard on it. So, uh, once again, those, Her- those Herbert throws, man, uh, he does like three or four of them, just like, you know, Josh Allen, just like uh, – you know, Mahomes, they're all on the, they're all on the level on themselves. Yeah, they're they're just playing a different brand of football than yeah. everybody else's, and it's uh it's fun to watch. Um, I, if I was just adding to the the good, right? Like, not to try to find some different points. Like, here's the most obvious statement of the day: you won a division game against yes. a playoff team to start your season, a team that I still actually believe will make the playoffs. But this is tough sledding in the like you open with two West games, right? The best thing you can do for yourself is, worst case, you split these two games, right? And so you held up your end of the bargain, right? Like now, now you got a short week against. We all know what the Kansas City Chiefs are, and we know how they looked in in Week One. And maybe you're doing it without Keenan, so you took care of business and you won the the first leg in this race. Is the way that I look at it, and that's a, a big right now to get out of the gate in what's going to be a tight NFC, um, excuse me, AFC West race. So. I think that, um, you know, for me, I, I think the number zero, like we you just talked about the offensive line, but zero sacks for Herbert. And, and two great pass rushers, man. Yeah, and I don't – dude, I could literally care less if he was under pressure 50% of the snaps. It's the NFL. Every quarterback's under pressure. Like, like you said, the offensive line for a quarterback like him, just create a little pocket. He's plenty capable of stepping up. He is not stationary. He can get outside if he needs to. Hell, he can even take off. If he needs to, and he didn't have to, and he didn't, you know what I mean? In this game, he just, he took the game as it came to him and it just feels like it comes to him like too easy almost, man, like, like too easy. So um, all the other stuff that I would have as notes, like you had. So 
Um, I got a little bad here um, as well, but it's it's really nitpicky. But I'll let you, it's your team, it's your no, podium, I talk I, about it. First of all, I want to revisit that topic you said about yeah, they had the Chargers have back to back AFC West division games. If they lose against the Raiders and also now have to face the Chiefs on a short week in Kansas City without Keenan, 50-50 without J.C. Jackson, and, and start off the season 0-2, 0-2 in the division, it's it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to make that up. So the fact is they got, you know, they had to split, you know, one of these, you know, these two games, and I'm glad they were able to do it, you know, in the beginning and this game. You know, you want to win, obviously, because then you would have a nice, you know, nice stranglehold. But – uh, I'm being realistic. It's going to be hard to beat the Chiefs without Keenan. We'll save that for later. But yeah, they did a good job of you know getting the business done. You know, week one, uh, and yeah, week one. I'm going to say, Weston, it was a must-win game for them. <laughs> you're infamous. You're infamous. <laughs> Every week is a must-win game, according to Weston. Um, excuse me. I didn't incorporate that this week, but I'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, okay. dude, the back half. It's so funny. Side note, like as I'm like pulling the format from last week's last year's weekly recaps, I'm pulling from an existing document to like basically like throw in my own notes and I started going back through them. And for like legit like seven consecutive weeks, I I have I in my notes must, must win. Must win. <laughs> That's exactly. That was that was that was your mantra, you know, of last year. Must win. I'm like, it's the NFL, week. baby. Why else you why else you lacing them up? <laughs> what? Yeah, but like you were, it was like such a weird. It was like weeks like three through seven. I'm like must win. Like I'm like the, the 17 game. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some of the bad. Um, I didn't think the O line did good when it comes to open up rushing lanes. Uh, to be honest with you, Chargers had 31 rushing attempts for 76 yards, averaging 2.5 yards per carry. That has to change uh, because they do want to be a more physical team. And they do want to be a more dominating team. And what's going to separate them? Because, in my opinion, they're really no different from an offensive standpoint than the Bills or the Chiefs from because of the quarterbacks. What's really going to separate them is their ability to you know to, to to run the football, and it's going to really help them out, especially if they're fortunate enough to make the playoffs. They need to be able to run the football to separate themselves from those you know, those other real, you know, major competitors. So that has to change uh, when it comes to open up those off those lines for the running backs. In addition, I feel like Eckler, speaking of running backs, was dramatically underutilized, especially after the Keenan injury. I just felt like um, I don't know why Sony Michelle was out there too, you know, so much. I like Sony Michelle. I'm not saying I'm not, this is not anything disparaging to Sony Michelle, but I felt like they could have been more creative with Eckler, getting him more involved in the passing game. Uh, in the in the rushing attack too, and I just felt like he should have been out there more. So that was that's me also thinking that you know some changes that probably will occur. I'm telling you this Thursday because now they'll have more time to game plan. You know, to throw Eckler in there more. Like the fourth down decisions, hated the plays though. Unfortunately, um, I just didn't think uh, it was a one of them was like a fourth and one, but it was like a long one, and I didn't think a QB sneak was a a smart idea there. Um, and hence, you know, they turned the ball over there. So that's, but I was fine with it. I just didn't want a QB sneak uh, to be honest with you. I know Herbert's good at them, but it just was like, it was like one and a half close to two. I'm like, that's, that's kind of ambitious trying to do a QB sneak for, you know, close to two yards. Uh, and the other thing I'm talking about uh, when it comes to the bad, I felt like they started off so good in the first half. And then all of a sudden, 
understand what they were trying to do. They were trying to play that bully ball and establish the run and what have you. But damn, they got conservative in the second half. And damn, that let the friggin' Raiders right back into the game. And it, it also attributed to only scoring seven points in the second half. That has to change. And their offensive coordinator, Lombardi, came out today and basically said, yeah, I was too conservative. Uh, that has to change, you know, in the second half. And it, because I know you want to run the ball, but you have to realize if it's not working, you have to, you have to, you have to count. You have to, you know, do things differently. So those are the, the things that uh, pretty much some of the tweaks that need to be uh, to be made for, uh, for this upcoming week. Yeah, I, I, I think the running game was not up to snuff, but I applaud them when I look at like 31 carries. Like there was clearly at least an attempt. Like some teams in this league don't even pretend to yeah. run the football. You have to find, especially in week one, like what might be working, what might not be. I think the importance of having a run game is now think of the sledding that you'll might have to have in the, in the playoffs, right? Like in the winter, you may have to go into Buffalo. You may have to go into Kansas city where cold weather is actually a real thing and what travels well in the playoffs defense run game, right? Like we all know that. And more importantly, like why the running game is important or at least making attempts to establish it is every once in a while, like possession, time of possession, things matter, like resting your defense. And we've seen this bite high octane offenses in the ass before. It's like, great. You went right down the field and scored. Awesome. But then you let the other team come right down the field and score as well because your defense is gassed, right, mm -hmm. from, like, being on there. So applaud the effort. They'll get it figured out. I'm not worried about it. They have the talent on the offensive line to establish it. But the, the biggest fear that every offensive coordinator, every team has is, like, just becoming one-dimensional, right? Like, you know, defense gets paid too, right? And the coordinators get paid too. Like, when you're one-dimensional, you're easier to figure out, right? Yeah. I, I agree with you. They're a team, though. I think the old adage is like, you got to run the ball to set up the pass. I think they're a team that they have to pass the ball to set up the run. Yeah. Uh, because they're what's like Buffalo. Yeah. So what they're going to have to do is because they used a lot of play action, you know, this past week. And you can see it just opened up a bunch of passing lanes. And if they're going to want to do that, you have to make sure that the opposing defense realizes you are a threat to run. So they need to do a better job of, uh, you know, creating holes and their running backs have to do a better job of finding the holes too. Yep. I mean, but to your point, right. That's why you have to at least attempt to run the football. Even if it's not working, you have to like, if you ever want play action to work, you need like the defense needs to actually believe that you might actually hand off the ball on this second and five scenario. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Otherwise it doesn't work. But um, the other, just the one other thing for me. Um, and I think this, this, becomes a little bit more glaring. Uh, you and I have been watching football long enough to know that the hamstring is a funny thing, right? Like hope with Keenan, it's not severe. You know what, how I feel about number 13. I, I love Keenan Allen, but do we know it's, it's highly likely he's not playing on Thursday. Yeah, right? and, yeah. And then how long does it linger a little bit, right? Like it's possible. Like where was Mike Williams in this absence? You know what I mean? And like, it's not I, to me, the Raiders don't necessarily have a secondary that like commands, like we can't, we can't, we can't air it out. We can't, we can't focus on him. You know what I mean? Um, and I just think this number two wide receiver spot is something that the chargers have been struggling with for a couple years. 
in hopes that, you know, and, but this is the biggest knock on Mike Williams, right? Like one day he'll show up and he'll go seven for a buck and two tutties. And then the next week he's not even on the stat sheet. Dude, listen, they're playing chess where you're all playing checkers. They knew they were going to put any, any film on, on uh, any Mike Williams film on tape for the Kansas City Chiefs because he is the guy that destroys the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to go huge this week. Watch, man. I'm telling all you. Right. They're all like, right. listen, we got this game in the bag, right? So, you know, let's save the Mike Williams plays, you know, for, you know, in Kansas City. We're on to Kansas City. Kansas Con- conspiracy theorist Lou Garini here. He's already <laughs> thinking ahead, which I love because he's a conspiracy theorist when we talk about my 49ers um, <laughs> and the tumultuous offseason. Are, are we good to transition? I mean, it's up to you, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this was, uh, you know, real quick. I know you're going to give your, your good and your bad, whatever. This, it was an ugly game, and this was a hard, you know, probably a hard pill to, you know, to, you know, to digest there. So, um, Ugly in all fronts. So, but go ahead. Yeah. I, I will. Uh, I will yeah. let to you. I, th- I think ugly is the word that describes it. From the weather yep. to the to, to the play on the field. Now, this is not an excuse because both teams have to play in it. But weather is the ultimate equalizer, especially mm-hmm. monsoon type weather when you're still talking about two offenses, not just one, that are, like, still figuring some things out, right? Like with young, with young signal calls, yeah. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to start with the bad because there's far more of that than there is good. But the bad is, as a fan, like, I've waited six months for the Trey Lance era to officially begin. I've waited longer than that. But six months, right, from completion of 2022 or 2021 season into the 22. 22- 2022 season and Lou we covered it we talked about it there was so much noise in the offseason surrounding the 49ers and the loudest piece of that noise was the Jimmy G and Trey Lance transition and the media's outlook versus the team's outlook we can debate that on later now whenever you want to I'm fine but you know where I stand on this and it's just it's been ridiculous to like try and simplify this for like an audience, but to the game itself, the loss on the road against a team that nine out of 10 times, we're probably going to smack around hurts. What makes it hurt even more is when you think about in the manner in which you lost, right? You mentioned before a lack of penalties for the chargers, a plus sign complete opposite here. 49ers, 12 penalties for 95 yards. Some of those penalties on the defensive side were phantom at best, but nonetheless called and were on third downs that kept the offense on the field. One of which two plays later resulted in a busted play that Justin Fields is scrambling around and Dante Pettis is somehow standing on the opposite sideline, like wide open and just like trots into the end zone, right? Like the only glimmer of offense that they had to that point in the game was on a a busted play. Um, but penalties were the cause of that again, no, no excuses, but there was one penalty that was called in this game on Brandon Ayuk on a big, a big play that would have been 18, 19 yard, like outplay, um, where they called offensive pass interference where Lou, yes, Brandon Ayuk's arm was extended to probably push off, but he didn't even make contact with the person. Like Mm -hmm. they showed a camera angle where there's a gap 
this wide between his hand and the person's chest. And they still threw the flag because of an extended arm. Like this is the type of stuff that we were, we were seeing in a game. And that's just when you knew it was going to go wrong. Um, a big thing here that'll go overlooked cause he got into the end zone eventually, but the Debo fumble on the opening drive, you know, like road game, Trey Lance era, you go down on your first drive. You made a couple nice throws on that first drive. You go into the end zone, you punch it in, you're up seven, nothing. And your best weapon fumbles the football on like the 10 plus yard line hurts, right? Takes points right off the board. Um, interior offensive line. We talked about this at nauseum in the, yeah, the off season. This was going to be a struggle. Honestly, it wasn't as bad as I was actually expecting, but it's still a liability and it's going to present a problem. You and I were talking offline before we started recording. The Bears are not the best front seven in the NFL or even front four, but they're not bad either. Right. Like, you know, like like you said, like they don't have any scrubs, but they don't have any superstars either. Right. They're what you yeah, they're a bunch of well, lunch. Lunch pail guys, you know, yep. blue collar guys. They're going to give you fits, but they don't have like that flashy superstar, you know, uh, guy outside of Quinn. So, yep. So two two final like bad points for me outside the outcome of the game. Three actually, to me, second half play call. You were talking about this as well, being like conservative nature um, that Lombardi admitted to. So this is where I'm going to knock Shanahan a little bit. Like he literally just stopped calling the plays that were clearly working in the first half, right? Like clearly working. Like we were moving the ball at ease in the first half. It was just a matter of like punching it in that we weren't um, taking advantage of. But like all of a sudden it was just like no – like Kyle – that Kyle McVay, that, that whole group, right? Like they're the masters at calling the same freaking play time and time again, just from different formations and different looks, but it's the same play. Like none of that, like no bag of tricks. Um, so I found that to be really odd that it's just like, we just stopped calling it. You know what I mean? Like I just don't, didn't understand that. Another thing that comes out to me is, like game fatigue. And this ultimately is my problem with like limited preseason and players not playing. This happened week one last year. It was probably a contribution in like what you saw with your own chargers in the second half is like week one, like these guys don't even play in the preseason anymore, like maybe a series. And then you go, got to go play 60 minutes of football, right? Like when I think about the, the two busted and botch the assignments on the defensive side of the ball from the 49ers. Like nobody's going to disagree that the 49ers defense is stacked from head to toe right now. Mm-hmm. Botch the assignments. But to me, that's like mental fatigue. That's like, Oh my God, I haven't played 60 minutes of football in seven, eight months. And just like, that's where the mental lapses come in. And those mental lapses candidly contributed to costing the game. Right, like you know what I mean. Like there, you, there's a whole body of work here that we can say contributed to the loss. They got too comfortable. I felt like no, I'm like oh, we're just gonna, you know, it is, it is. They can't move the ball. They just expected the Bears to just to kind of curl up and die. And I felt like the Bears did fight and kind of took took them off guard, took them by yep. surprise. This this is what this is the NFL. You let teams hang around. It's not going to be good, right? Yeah. Like it's not going to be good. And they let a team with nothing to lose hang around, right? Like and that was going to happen. Now, the Elijah Mitchell injury hurts, right? Like, he clearly is a different runner than the other running backs. Hey, but we got some young rooks with some fresh legs. Let's see what they got. Just brought in Marlon Mack. I think he fits perfectly in this scheme. 
um, and he's going to make sure that the, the rooks don't have to play immediately um, in terms of pass pro and, and things of that mm-hmm. nature. you got a veteran guy, help keep Trey a little, little upright from that interior line. But here's what hurts me the most. Outside of the loss, I'm not sweating it. It's week one, non-division game, and not – I didn't quote it as a must win to start the season. Right. But like now we actually have to hear and continue to hear the Jimmy over Trey Lance crowd. Wow. Weston, who could have foresaw this? Listen, this is still not a problem and it's not a problem. Do you want to know what the problem is? The problem is that I have to fucking listen to it. That's the problem. (laughs) I assure you there's not a single person in the 49ers locker room or on their staff that gives a shit what the media has to say about this. It's we make it a distraction for ourselves. Like these are NFL players. This is not a distraction on Trey Lance. Like I can't, I can't stress this enough. The 49ers did everything in their power to trade Jimmy Garoppolo and let it be known. They, they, they're giving the keys to the kingdom to Trey Lance and they were moving on from him. Nobody bought. Nobody came. They told Jimmy, we will not keep you at this contract. We will cut you. What do you want to do? And he renegotiated his contract to save $18 million against the cap to stay on the team because he knew he wasn't going to start anywhere else. And this still gave him a facility. This has nothing to do with the 49ers believing that we kept Jimmy here because we don't believe in Trey. This is the media that wants to spin this and the Jimmy truthers that want to spin this thing out of control. That's what I'm angry about, that I have to listen. I have to listen to candidly paid professionals intentionally spitting nonsense for clicks and things of that nature. And I guarantee they don't even believe the fucking bullshit. I'm not worried about the locker room. I'm not worried about any of that. What pains me the most about this loss is I have to hear it. And Lou, here's the reality. Jimmy G ain't winning that fucking game either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we have, I have proof. I have samples of games in monsoons where he sucked beanbag as well. One game we lost, one game we won, and the game that we won, we won nine to freaking nothing in two thousand nine. And the defense did all of the work. The offense did nothing. So like, and and I'll get. So let me get into the good. <laughs> wow, what a, get into, what a smooth transition to good. Let me get into the good because. Trey Lance did not lose this game. Like he did not lose this game. Did he, was there a couple missed throws? Sure. Right. Like, absolutely. I I expect that for the remainder of the season. I I expected that from Jimmy G who was a veteran. I knew he was going to throw one interception a game. I knew that was going to happen in multiple bonehead throws. Like those are my expectations, but here's the reality. I was actually impressed given the scenario with Trey. He showed some of those flashes. I wish I could bring up highlight if I knew how to like quickly bring highlights up on my screen that we can post onto YouTube. He made one throw to Ray Ray McLeod, dude. That was bananas, bro. Bananas. This was Justin Herbert, Josh Allen esque, fit over a second layer on a freaking dart right over the defender, right to the sideline. Mm-hmm. Exactly He's got the arm talent. He actually ran the ball intelligently and effectively at times. Would I like to see him take a few less hits? Yeah, because he's. He was a big body in college. He's not the Josh Allen big body like in the NFL, but he's still a big guy. Mm-hmm. I, but like picking up third downs and you can and you can do things with him. And that's going to be 
you know, vital while this interior offensive line figures it out. So, like, actually, I walked away from that feeling like Trey played pretty well, right? The supporting cast, maybe not so much. Some some drop drop passes, etc. Speaking of playing well, when I think of the interior offensive line, hold on one rookie, second. I want to yep, actually yep. want to go back to you. I want to ask you your opinion. Um, and I needed to be brutally honest. What was your thought process on his his processing uh, ability, like his ability to diagnose plays, uh, and you know, diagnose receivers, you know, being open. Like what, what, you know, be honest with that. Um, I'm I'm gonna lean like if I had to put a percentage around it, I'd be like sixty five thirty five, meaning that like sixty five percent of the time I was confident that he was like getting through a progression. Now, candidly. He didn't always have time to get through present, um, progressions. The other reality is the way Shanahan draws up the offense. It's like, this is first, this is look one, this is look two. It happens real quick. That's the way the plays are designed, right? So there's not always. One of the ones where he made the right read, he just held on to the ball too long, and a veteran, Eddie Jackson, that's been playing the NFL for quite some time, just read nice. his eyes and made a nice play. That was a nice play, was a nice play by him because he peeled off his uh, his yep. assignment. His, mm-hmm. yeah, he's playing the robber, and he peeled off his assignment and then uh, covered that like what was like was that a slant or a post. Or it was like it was like a something. like a hook, more like a hook, right? Like yeah. it was probably it was you know eight ten yard hook. Um, so yes, great play by Eddie Jackson, but the play was made because he's savvy enough to say, "I see the quarterback's eyes." Right? Like Trey, like the receiver was open. Trey held onto the ball a little longer than he needed to. And to me that, that will speed up, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, as you get more confidence and more comfortable in the offense, like those things will speed up, but I still don't think there's a large enough sample size to say how he's getting through his progressions. And I also don't think the offense is actually drawn up that way. Yeah. It's just not okay. right. Um, clearly he still struggles over the, he is a phenomenal passer of the football outside the numbers. Phenomenal. He's he's where he's drastically different than Jimmy and what Kyle spent so much time scheming up was the over over the middle of the field type throws that Jimmy was really good at. That's going to take Trey some time. That's going to take time because that's quick release. That's a lot of things. And that is going to like that's going to be part of the maturation process and like processing things quickly, like your hot reads, who's coming, who's not going, who's the mic, right? Where those people are going to be. That's going to take some time. So, um, I won't say impressed. I'll say plenty of room for improvement, but not disappointed in what I saw essentially based on your question. The play of the, the rookie right guard Spencer Burford was actually a bright spot. Um, He graded out really, really well um, in the past game, not so much in the run game, but I think they all struggled uh, candidly. Even Trent Williams struggled in the, in the run game in this game. I just think that's footing weather, a lot of things um, to go into that. I don't think the running backs, once Mitchell was out, like Jeff Wilson just kind of feels like a little bit of a shell of himself. I don't know what it, he just like seems slower, a little less burst. Like you need guys who this offense is designed like one cut and go like no mm-hmm. pussyfooting around. That's why Trey Sermon's still not here. He just pussyfoots around like one cut and go. That's, that's the way the Shanahan run game is designed. Um, but to me, Spencer Burford as a rookie, a fifth or sixth round draft pick rookie, has gotten a little bit better every single week. And I see that pro- I saw that progression in this game. So happy with that because we need improvement um, there. Through two and a half quarters, this defense was the defense we thought it was going to be. 
two and a half quarters, bro. They, they, they couldn't move the ball. We didn't have to send pressure to stop the run, stopping it with four. Um, Mooney Ward, it, I mean, not that he has to cover anybody freaking good on the Chicago Bears from a wide receiver standpoint, but they didn't even make an attempt to throw the ball in his direction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, which is bodes well. Um, Mosley, uh, we dropped a couple picks that could have been game-changing as well, but looked good. Kinlaw, some flashes up the middle, got a little nicked up early, and I was like, oh, no, here we go again, right? Like, he's going to miss another season, but he did come back. Um, but some some flashes up the middle, little stout against the run. And then for me, just player-wise, uh, Tolanoa Hufunga, he balled out. Yeah, I don't know why you guys are as high. Every time I feel like I'm watching that guy play, I feel like he always makes a big play. I mean, listen, he was when he was in college, he was defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. Yeah. Right? The Pac-12 is not a slouch of a conference. Like, the dude can play football. The biggest knock on him and what's going to be exposed why Jimmy Ward is out is he still is a liability in coverage. Like, he can play in the box. He's that Palomalo, Hawaiian tight. Like, they all have that same skill set. But this game – with the weather, the team they were playing against, everything played into his strengths. 11 tackles, two for a loss, had a pick. Look, the pick, he was in the right place at the right time, right? Like, I don't think it's anything exceptional he did. He just wasn't out of place in the past game, which helps. But he was just all over the field. Um, but I will say this. The knock is the that busted play I kept referencing with the, the Pettis TD. Mm-hmm. That was Hufunga's responsibility. He got greedy. He, he left his coverage and started chasing Fields while Fields was – and that's where Pettis, like, snuck out. So that's where the liability comes into play. But, dude, his first start in the NFL, right? You know what I mean? Like uh, – or maybe, like, second start because Ward and, and Tart each missed a, a game or two last year. Um, but I think a, a lot of positive to, to come from that. That's the game, man. We, we move on. Um Listen, listen. It's must a- win game. It's a must win game at home against Seattle. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's it's week one. Crazy stuff happens week one. You gotta just R E L A X. You gotta relax. All right. Aaron. Last last year, well, this is a great segue. Last year, the the Green Bay Packers were heavily favored against the Green uh, against the New Orleans Saints. Especially the Saints couldn't play at home. They had actually you know, moved the game to Jacksonville, and everyone everyone picked the Green Bay Packers to just to throttle the Saints, and the Packers lost. Crazy stuff happens week one. Relax. It's all good. The weather was crazy. First star for Trey Lance. The only thing I'm going to disagree with you is that Jimmy G, there is no good can come for him being on that roster right now. Well, so here's where I'll disagree with you on that. I mean, I'm ready for this, man. I mean, gotta think about. It. All right, so ready? I, I, I'm I'm rope doping you now because I'm setting you up here. Yeah. So, when, when the Bengals when the Bengals suck Joe Burrow, what did they do with Andy Dalton? They got rid of him, they, man. Yeah, they got rid of him. Okay, so here's my counter argument to that. The hell are the Dallas Cowboys going to do for the next six to eight weeks? What the hell are they going to do? Well, that's what are they going to do? They had an injury prone quarterback, though. Okay, uh, so you're talking. So you're talking about. Oh, so you're talking about trading for him? No, I'm talking – well, I mean, they would, if I'm the 49ers, I don't trade Jimmy. Again, the noise is is fans you and media. Told, yeah, no, the you noise told, is not the team. I'm not to lose – bro, I, I'm you telling are totally, you. No, I disagree. You are totally downplaying the effect. You said it yourself. Jimmy G 
has a lot of fans in that locker room, bro. And so I know it's week one, but you can't tell me if this starts leaking into week five, week six, you can't tell me the people that were fans of Jimmy G aren't going to be like, yo, let's, why don't we put in Jimmy? Because we have the talent to win right now. You can't tell me that. They're not going to blindly fo- follow a guy, Trey Lance, who's done nothing if it gets to that point. If. You gotta remove. You gotta remove the temptation, man. So, all right. So here's the counter argument to this. Again, this is this is all fabricated until it's not. And the reality to me is, the 49ers did everything they possibly could to move on from this individual. They could have cut him, Jimmy cut Garoppolo. Him. But okay, so you cut him. Yeah. Let's say Trey Lance. Gets hurt. So that's now what we're doing. No, 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 no. That's the that, that's where we're living. <laughs> okay, bro. What happens if Justin Herbert gets hurt tomorrow? What the what the fuck are the Los Angeles Chargers gonna do? We're gonna have a top five draft pick, baby. Okay, <laughs> but but you you right now with the additions you just made, you're built to go win right now. The 49ers, the way that their roster is assembled, they're built to go right now. The reality is, is they try to move on with Jimmy. And they know what they have, and they try to get value for him, and nobody bit. They told him they were going to cut him. Him still being here is more of an indictment on Jimmy than it actually is in their belief or their commitment to Trey Lance. Now, if Trey goes down, you now have a proven commodity behind him that says, and and at least breathes confidence in the team, like, guys, we did it before. We can go do it again. Let's go. Outside right. of injury, outside of injury, outside of injury, because Jimmy doesn't see the field. Jimmy no, doesn't outside, see the field. Outside of injuries, what good does Jimmy G do for that roster? Outside of injury, because you're you're bringing up you're bringing up only a little aspect of injury. Outside of injury, I'm, what good? I'm bringing up the aspect that actually matters, right, Lou? Here's the reality: what we do for fun here, what Adam Schefter does for a living, or Chris Sims does for a living, these. People don't care about him. Don't care. Like yeah, no. they don't care. And what did what did Jimmy Ju, Jimmy Jude do for like yeah like he might be a good guy, but they all talk about how like can't get a hold of him the off season. They bust his chops. He's not a vocal leader. Blah blah blah. Like don't give me like that. They're fans of him. They played in those games. They know the limitations. They all look back at the quarterback when they were overthrown wide open in big spots like what the f's going on here so what do you do get george kittle and and debo paid awesome take them out to fucking dinner and let's move on you know what i mean like they they see what trey lance is they know you want to know why i know that they know richard sherman who i hated almost as much as russell Wilson for years <laughs> until he joined my team and i actually realized that he's a really smart man who knows football and on his podcast he actually talked about this and he was like bro these guys practice with trey they see what what the potential is they know what jimmy brings they see the potential and trust me they're all attracted to the potential because they know jimmy might be good enough to get them there but they ain't gonna win with him they're not gonna win the super bowl with jimmy garoppolo it's that simple I just feel like, you know, we've had – first of all, I have to preface this in saying I think Trey Lance will succeed this year. So it's not like I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not no, – I, I know you're not a, a hater on him. Dude, you said Trey Lance was the pick before they made the pick. Like, that's yeah. – you believe so, it. So – and it's, I also said it should have been the pick, and I still believe that. 
That being said, you look at the history, man. I have some notes here. Mitchell Trubisky when they brought in Nick Foles. Carson Wentz when they brought in Nick Foles. Tua Tagovailoa when they brought in you know, Fitzpatrick. And then you had uh, Locker, Hasselback, and Fitzpatrick. Like these younger quarterbacks, when they when they have those veteran quarter, like if you don't just hand over the reins to see if they're going to make it or or, or or fall apart, it doesn't work out. This this kumbaya shit. You think that like yeah, you know, Lancers are got. It's not going to work out. You got they had to get rid of him. Because if, and it's a huge if, and I don't think it's, first of all, your schedule, you have a really nice schedule this, this year. So, like, coming up. So, it's a huge if. But if they do struggle, you can't tell me the chattering. You can't, yeah, these are professional football players. They're going to turn, you know, turn off. They're going to turn out the outside media, whatever. No, they're not. You said they're professional football players. These guys are 26 to 30 years old. They live on social media, man. You can't tell me. You can't tell me that. So, if there is a riff with the performance of Trey Lance, no, it's it's going to be bad that they can fall back on their on their backup girlfriend or like that that you know that late night booty call type shit. I'm telling we'll you, man. We'll see. We'll see. Now the re- the reality is the dream scenario. And again, I don't make this move. Is Something like what just happened to Dak happens to another team, and they got to make the and they got to make the call. Now you get now you look if that bro if they traded him tomorrow to Dallas for for, you got to take at least a third because you get a third when he moves on in free agency next year, right? So like it's because if you trade him for a fourth, you don't get that third when he moves on. So it's got to be at least a third, right? So let's say it's a second or a third round pick. It's a fourth. It's 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 a fourth uh, that can become a third. Okay, so let's say that's the play. Then they don't look so stupid, right? Because then they got something for him. They held out. It's not that they look so stupid. It's that they got lucky. Then sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, bro. I agree. That's how you. Uh, that's how you. That's how you win the Super Bowl. Don't uh, tell so, me it's just because you're good. No, the ball bounces I, funny ways. Okay, so let's go to the freaking out section because I feel like we are starting to freak out. This and... was my first freak out. So I already covered it. So we'll move on. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it. All right. So let me go on my first freak yeah. out. And we've kind of a defense. Well, we are fucking setting each other up beautifully. We talked about the San Francisco 49ers possibility trading their backup quarterback, Jimmy G, to the Dallas Cowboys. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm freaking they, out. They won't and they shouldn't. But, yes, that's a real scenario. Yeah, so I, I'm freaking out the Cowboys. Game one, week one, all the, there was t- chatter that their offense looked awful, you know, in the preseason, right? And guess what? Everything came to fruition. Their offense did look pretty bad. Uh, they're the only team in week one not to score a touchdown, right? And don't give me the shit that Dak got hurt. Dak got hurt, what, in the fourth quarter? End of the game. Couple, four minutes, five minutes left in the you game? Could, you, could put, you couldn't put a, 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 TD, a TD drive in the first three quarters and when everyone in your division won? Now yeah. you're, you're, you're injury-prone star quarterback, which I'm a big Dak fan, but – I think they they should have done a better job with this injury history uh, to have a you know a succession plan there. But now their star quarterback is out for a long period of time, week one, in a in a conference where it should be easy to make the playoffs because of the talent they do have, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, Cowboys fans, you are freaking out because you are praying you can get someone like Jimmy G to just put a Band-Aid and try to win a couple of games. But with the real thing, this is why it's even a bigger issue. 
because if you if if you had a good head coach, they might be able to change their philosophy. They have the the, the the pieces in place. But guess what? Mike McCarthy, ever since his days in Green Bay, does not like to run the football. Dallas Cowboys have two talented uh, running backs. Why not be a little creative, do what the Green Bay Packers you know, are planning to do with Dylan and Aaron Jones, and you use those running backs as weapons. But McCarthy, that's not what McCarthy does. McCarthy is an awful coach. So you have a bad coach leading a bad situation in the beginning of the year. You, their season is, could possibly be over after the first week. And if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I'm saying, oh, shit, not again. Yeah. <clears throat> on the bright side, that- though, on the bright side, though, that it probably ensures Sean, Sean Payton for next year. So Yeah, that, that's a guarantee, by the way. Um, you think the 49ers fans are a fickle bunch? I mean, did you – I mean – Dax literally hurt week one going to the locker room. You have no idea what the injury even is is at this point. Game's was, over anyway, throwing shit at your quarter, your $40 million a year quarterback. Yeah. Like the Cowboy fans are just as ruthless. They're they're a rough and and they're and they could be even more delusional than yeah. the 49er fan base. Yeah, no, no. It, I know plenty of Cowboy fans, and Cowboy fans always think they're winning the Super Bowl every year. Every year. Um yeah, that's that's a that's a tough scenario right now. Um, again, to your point, like and they got a brutal schedule coming up too. They're playing; they have to go play. They have, the Bengals come in town right now. The you Bengals won the division team. last year. You get all ones. Yeah, so I don't you know. Get all ones. That's the that's that's the curse when you when you win your division is you get all ones next year when you play um, outside mm-hmm. the conference um, those games, etc. All right, a lot of my freaking outs are bad. Um, I only have one good one, but I'm gonna I do it. Two good ones, but go ahead. I, I'm gonna do another bad one right here. So we we touched upon a little bit of the 49er one, so I won't even get into it because it is around that the the whole Trey Lance argument. But if I'm the Denver Bron- Broncos, let's I'm ride. I'm <laughs> let, yeah, let's ride. I am freaking out. You traded five picks and three players for Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick that you get back. You signed him to a five-year, $242,588,236 contract. How many cents? I don't have cents. Including. (laughs) Yeah, you don't. (laughs) No, no. Apparently, I don't if you just heard my rant before. Including a $50 million signing bonus and $161 million guaranteed for an average annual salary of $48 million dollars in his first game as the starter for your team your savior right we all talked about how denver's maybe just that quarterback away with the talent that they actually have on that team in his first game you travel back to seattle who is now russin wilson less and they trot out geno smith in what should be a revenge tour for russell wilson and you lose the football game and you lose the football game. To make matters worse, with the game on the line, you have three timeouts left. You let inexplicably just 30 seconds come off the clock where everybody's sitting there like, yeah, three timeouts. Like, call the timeout. Yeah, it's fourth and five, but, like, just figure it out. If you don't get it, the game's over anyway. It doesn't matter how many times. But you still just let 30 seconds trickle off the clock for fourth and five to attempt a 64-yard field goal. 
let me so let me repeat this for you, Lou. You paid this man two hundred and forty-two million dollars, and with the game on the line, you choose to put it in the hands of your kicker. And mind you, this is in Seattle. This is not in Denver, in Mile High Stadium, where the altitude is thin, to attempt what would be the second longest field goal in NFL history to win the game. And you don't trust your $242 million quarterback that you gave up five picks and three players for to go get you five yards and you lose the game. And what makes this even worse, the game is over. You can't stop the clock, right? Like you, I mean, you can stop the clock, but you cannot in any capacity get the ball back this game. Your first year head coach calls both of yeah, his that remaining was, time that was that was pretty bad. Like a third grader throwing a goddamn temper tantrum. That's right? what I would like, do. That's what I would do in Madden back in the day. So if I'm a if I'm a Denver Bronco fan, my question to myself is what the fuck is going on in Denver? Listen, you're not wrong, and it's it's uh, the low hanging fruit because it's the it's the most mind boggling decision making of week one probably, and I get that, but I just think. Um, I think brighter days are ahead for Denver. I just think he'll learn from that mistake because they, Denver didn't look bad. Okay. I just thought I thought um, the, the reason why I'm not freaking out because a lot of moving parts there. Uh, Russell Wilson coming to a new team, you know, different offense takes time to get acclimated and stuff like that. So I think they're going to be more of like a second half team. So. But- I'm not freaking but, out yet, but yeah, it, it, I mean, that was the most mind-boggling decision. Yes, but, exactly. But wait, and, and it was low-hanging fruit, but there's a bigger picture here. You tweeted this out, and what have I said for, I mean, the two years we've been doing this, but for the 10 years that I had to go against Russell Wilson, is he literally doesn't feel like he's even like aware that he's playing in a football game for three and a half quarters. He's going to win it in the fourth. But let me tell you something. Take a look around the teams that you play twice a year now. That shit don't fly with these high-powered offenses. You fall asleep at the wheel for for two, three quarters. You might get away with that with a 49ers team that's always just had a lackluster offense, right, Like, and, and things of that nature. But you're not getting away with that against Patrick Mahomes, against Justin Herbert, against this new high-powered Raiders offense and the things that they got going, dude, they'll put a licking on you. You fall asleep like that, you think 10 nothing in Seattle was bad? Like, it, it will be worse, and it will be insurmountable. And I'm sorry, I watched every down of that game. I had to work really late last night. I recorded it. I, I was home by myself, actually. My wife and, and son slept out. So I watched every second of that game on DVR last night. And, bro. I didn't. I didn't see Russ cooking. I saw two interceptions that should have been that were dropped, like Quandre Diggs in the end zone. Like you don't get a layup better than that. Like it's a listen. It's a lot of freaky things. It you know you're talking about that, but how often are they going to have running backs fumble back to back? I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Back to back on the on the one yard line. I mean, that's I, why, I know that's Ma- why Ma- Ma- they hand it to Marshawn in the Super Bowl, bro. Yeah. That could happen. I, I know Melvin Gordon's infamous for that. But uh, what I'm saying, what is disheartening, though, this puts the Broncos behind the eight ball. When you're a part of this AFC West, this ultra, uber, competitive 
AFC West, you have to take care of business against the lesser competition teams. It's okay to lose against the teams that are equal to or greater than you, but you cannot lose to teams like Seattle. You cannot lose to teams like Carolina. The teams that are less than you, because you have to keep pace with what's going to happen in these next additional 16 weeks. And the fact that from the get-go, they lost against a Seahawks team where they were more talented, that's huge too. And if I'm also thinking about it, if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm pretty freak. I'm freaking out because I can't believe Geno Smith is so much freaking cooler than Russell Wilson for that line that he said at the end. Bro, first of all, everybody in the NFL is cooler than Russell Wilson. Let's yeah. be very clear about this. You're just you're just getting a little taste of this right now. Like, let me give you 10 years of, of war stories. Here's the positive I'm going to take from this. And it has nothing to do with the Denver Broncos. It has everything to do with the 49ers opponent next week. <laughs> is in full reality, the Seattle Seahawks just won their let, Super Bowl. Yeah, that, that, that is game. the game yeah. that they circled and they wanted. And it was a home game for them. They booed Russ before they came out. The amount of motion, emotion that they poured into that game. Back to reality. I, I hope it, yeah, I hope it's a letdown next week, yeah. right? Where they got to go on the road and come to San Francisco. But okay. uh I'll do my – yeah, my freaking out. On the positive, let's see, you know, I'm feeling, you know, good vibes only. How about the New York football Giants, baby? Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. The Giants, outside of the Jets, have probably been the worst team in the last, like, five, six years, record-wise, right? So, New York Giants and the New York Giants fans have this loser mentality now. We will never win. It start, starts – basically, it starts – you know, you know, taking control over your mind, your thought process. We are just a bunch of losers, and you believe it. You forget the days of Eli Manning, you know, beating Tom Brady twice. You forget those days because those are so far removed. Now you guys are just losers. In order to change that mindset, you got to do things differently. You got to do things drastically differently. And what Brian Dable, which I said – was good, was a great hire, and I said, you're not looking to win games this year, Giants fans. You're looking to just stay competitive. So not only did he check off the, the first box for me, stay competitive, they kept in the game, even though it looked ugly in the first couple of quarters, but they kept on fighting, kept on fighting. Saquon Barkley is starting to look like Bo Jackson all of a sudden, right? They, they – Tie it up. Well, then tie it up. You know, they're down by one. They're like, no, screw this. We're going for two. We're changing this mentality. And when it, and basically you're changing the thought process of the locker room. No longer are these players thinking like, oh, we suck, you know. They're ha- now there's belief. And when you got hope and you got belief and you got talent, it'll change it'll change that thought process there. So the New York football giants. Fantastic. This is how you change a mindset. This is how you change that loser mindset from fans and, and from the team standpoint is you do things like this. You do things bold. And you can see when they went in the locker room, D- Dable did his little shimmy. You know, the plant, the, all the players were you know, circling around him and loved him and stuff like that. He bought, look, he won the locker room week one. Now, now doesn't they can lose every single game, but they still, the will, they, they will still fight for him because of, because of what he just what he uh, instilled in them. Yeah, you know the old saying: get that man a wheelbarrow to lug that beanbag around in. Because that was look nothing to lose, right? No expectations for the team, so I don't oh, feel no, like screw it. Yeah, 
Yes, I don't feel like the pressure was on, right? And I did definitely think it was the right decision. The wrong decision because I picked the Titans in my freaking Survivor League. Um, but, hey, that's week one for you. Um, but here's now the reality of this situation. They, they, You could smell blood in the water. Like, for all intents and purposes, the Cowboys can quickly be out of this race. Yeah, that doesn't mean. Phil, I mean, listen, Philly let my second favorite team linger and hang and didn't put it away the way that they they should have like let's let's, let's wait to week two listen, before we but i'm just saying belief and co- belief and confidence is a very scary thing and what it can do for you yeah all right that was my that was my positive one too so i'm happy to to i'm um, just looking at the clock um proceed to the next and we can get into some of our you want to start offense or defense for players of the week we can do offense, and you can go first because I think I know who you're going to pick. I mean, it's 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 the obvious. It's Patty Mahomes. Um, oh, okay. For me, uh, you're going to let me do the dirty work, but go ahead. Yeah, um, Patty Mahomes. I mean, dude, thirty for thirty nine, three hundred and sixty yards, five touchdowns. He had a hundred. Oh my god, what be rating? Who could have who could have seen this? Wow, Patrick Mahomes without Tyreek Hill, he was going to be nothing. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, no, I told I I saw this coming from a mile away. It's just gonna they're just gonna be a different offense, more yeah. efficient. I'm sorry. And still and still good. Um but this is what we were talking about this earlier. Like week one usually tends to be anomalies, unless there is continuity at the quarterback position and the coordinator slash head coach position, both of which they have, so that you knew they were gonna come out on fire. Um and I loved it because it's against one of my divisional opponents, right? So I mean, God, going into last night, I was super confident that the entire NFC West was going to start 0-1. But, yeah. like, what do I know, you know, about about life? But, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, 360 and five touchdowns week one. Come on. Yeah. Uh, you're a prick, by the way, because you're making me do uh, Justin Jefferson, who you had. Right? You have him in our fantasy league, right? Maybe. Right? <laughs> So and uh and pretty much uh was probably Lou, who won, who won that week uh, who won week one well you know I often mentioned I had Dak Prescott and CD Lamb easily mm. if they just put mediocre numbers I'm beating you but you know I also say if uh if my aunt had a dick she'd be my uncle so what are you gonna do all right so Justin Jefferson balled out against a really talented Green Bay defense I know the offense uh there's there was chatters this offseason, you know, how it's going to look, the struggles and whatever. But that defense is really talented. Justin Jefferson went up against it, and especially that secondary, that touted, that, that touted uh, secondary, uh, caught nine balls, 184 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, they were lining him up everywhere. Uh, Vikings looked good. Vikings looked good on offense, and they looked different. So uh, Justin Jefferson uh, was my offensive player of the week. Yeah. I, you got more? I'll give you one more, and you go one more. Okay, I got you. Um, the aforementioned Saquon Barkley. Yes. 18 carries, 164 yards, another six catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown was rushing, but 194 yards of, of total offense. I, I Listen, the, the game itself is sweet, but it's it's just nice to see, like, Saquon. It's been a long time since you've seen that, you know, yeah. from Saquon. So it, it's nice. It's to, weird, to though, too, like how – some players just turn it on in their last year of the contracts. <laughs> I mean, who who would who would have guessed it? <laughs> I do have one more too, and we're gonna stay in the backfield. I have DeAndre Swift. 
18 total touches, 175 total yards. He averaged 9.6 yards per carry, and he had a touchdown against an improved Philly defense. Yeah, DeAndre was uh, – that was He's a, good, man. Yeah. If he can stay healthy, he's good. That's it, right? Like, whether it's Saquon, whether it's DeAndre, it's like they just got to stay on the field, yeah. right? And, and good things will come. All right, let's roll to the the defensive side of the ball here. I'll uh, go first. I'll go first right. here. You go first. It's the return of the Mac, baby. Khalil Mac. I mean, I'm not even going to go. I mean, do I really have to go over those numbers, really, from what I've talked about before? This guy had three sacks, five pressures, four QB hits, and a forced fumble that ended up winning the game for the Los Angeles Chargers. So Khalil Mack, by far your current NFL sack leader right now, tied with someone else. I forget who. But uh, Alex yes. Highsmith? Yes, yes. So uh, Khalil Mack, definitely your defensive player of the week. Um, mine, I had Mack three, by the way, on my list. Um, splitting hairs, though. Haters not gonna hate. hate. No, haters I'm not hating, hate. bro. I'm not hating on the Cleo Mac. I mean, you that's guys a, got him for for nothing. Yeah, got him for free. That's the first thing a hater says. I ain't hating. <laughs> I know plenty of haters. I'm one of them. I'm, I'm a huge hater. Yeah, that's I literally your middle name, Lou Hater Garini. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got that from my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Just the old bitter Italian folk. He, dude, he was hating in the, back in the twenties on the time of the depression. <laughs> he was doing he just he started hating during prohibition and then yeah, just gonna exactly. continue to hate fucking government stopping this alcohol. Fuck yeah, that. I'm just gonna make that shit in my basement and call it a day. Hate, um, hate, hate. Sales. It's a tough racket. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm going with Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he was a going. 14 tackles. He had a pick six and a blocked extra point, mind yeah. you. And yeah. a very critical moment to block an extra point I, I like when i think of minka i just think of like mr opportunistic like sometimes like people just find the football like they mm -hmm. got magnets on their hands right like this dude scoops up fumbles every other week right picking off passes constantly um but like what i actually liked about the game was more like when i look at like the 14 tackles like it wasn't just about like the turnovers. It was just being involved in the mix and a day where they lost TJ Watt, right. For some extended period of time. So he definitely stepped it up. So for me, Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay. I got one more too. And I, I want to, the stat line might not be fantastic, but we were skeptical of this player coming out of the draft this year. Uh, Trevon Walker, defensive end, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he looks like he belongs. Uh, he had a good he had a good preseason, man, and he comes out against the uh, the, the Washington uh, whatever you call them. Uh, he had four tackles, one sack, and one interception. Heads up play on the interception, man. He, this guy looks like he he belongs and he knows what he's doing. And for everyone saying I can't believe what the Jaguars are doing after week one, you know they don't look so silly selecting. I know they got sixteen weeks, you know, sixteen weeks left. So he might not do anything for the remainder of 16 weeks, but between the preseason and now, doesn't yeah. You know? Good start to his professional career. Bad news for him is he still plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Don't so ever don't a, don't ever find uh, a way to muff it up. Don't ever don't ever doubt Trent Balky. Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> legendary Trent Balky. Um, 
I'll go one more, and and I mentioned them just to, to counter yeah. your opinion. But it's Alex. I'm staying in. I'm staying with the steel curtain, and I'm going back with Alex Highsmith. Nine tackles, three sacks. You and I think alike, right, Lou? Like we don't put like one sack or even two sack games up there. But you start no, getting you to need, three sacks in a single it. game. Um, that's big time, especially since you are probably the most prominent pass rush on the team once TJ Watt is out of the game and still able to create that pressure. Uh, two tackles for a loss. So, again, three-sack performance deserves to be recognized. Two sacks don't do anything for me anymore. That's what she said? That's what she said? All right. All right. What we're so watching that, for. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this is actually pretty quick for me because there's not necessarily a studly slate of games. There's only two, two options here. Two options. You option go first. Number, option number one, we're recording on a Tuesday. It's going to be on Thursday. The Los Angeles Chargers heading out to Aerosmith. 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 Steven Steven Tyler's making an appearance in this game. It is uh, eleven to fifteen right now at night, so you can see I'm a little sleep deprived. So, yes, Los Angeles Chargers heading out to you know to Arrowhead Stadium uh, to play the Kansas City Chiefs after seeing the top two and uh, quarterback rankings uh, ratings uh, from this past week. It's Mahomes. It's Herbert. What else do you need? Sucks. Keenan's not going to play. It sucks. And McDuffie is not going to play their their uh, the Chiefs' uh, first round draft pick of their cornerback. He's out. Uh, it sucks that he's got some injuries already. You got J.C. Jackson. Don't know if he's going to play. Harrison Bucker. Don't know if he's going to play. But still, this game's going to be fun, man. I mean, how any AFC West game is fun. Listen. Kickers are people too, and and could, I mean I don't know if you saw how Bucker just changed his kicking style. Like he literally just yeah, was taking was... like one step and go to like finish that game. But I mean they might have the best be- backup kicker in the entire league in Justin Reed, Reed bro. Yeah. Like like think about that. Yeah. Right. Like you now have a specialty kicker, right? Who can who will continue to t- probably kick the ball off every time that is already a position player. So you don't occupy like that. Yeah. Not that anybody ever does. It's usually your punter. If it's not your kicker, who's capable of putting it out of the end zone, but a unique little, uh, little wrinkle there, but I agree. This is, this is priority number one for week two and good news, bad news. Good news. It's the only game in town on Thursday night. Bad news is you got to watch these two teams play on a Thursday night and not under adequate rest, um, on a, on a Sunday in a primetime matchup. But, uh, I am actually looking forward to it because it's going to be the first regular season game on Prime, and I know Amazon Prime's got some some fun things lined up for for the docket. Um, so should be interesting. Also, I, good, I'm, to, good, for, good for the fact though that like Thursday night games usually suck. They the do. Only reason why, the only reason why you watch because there's no competition for anything else. Nothing. Um, you're not even in playoff baseball yet, right? So like, there's nothing to 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 compete with. It's which... like it's like Jets Patriots. Like, okay, like... but you know, dude, I'm I'm calling back to the beginning of last year, where a lot of these um, primetime games, Thursday nights, Sunday nights, and Monday nights, for the first few weeks of the season, were. Super close, super competitive football games that were actually worth watching because I specifically remember going back and be like, the NFL is winners right mm-hmm. now, right? Because their primetime games are what you want them to mm-hmm. be um, in terms of like an engaged audience, competitive football game. So like, let's see. Let's see if the, the docket continues because Sunday night's game wasn't super competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Monday night's game was competitive, but nobody cared about it other than like if you were. A I think people. Fan I, think, I think people turned tuned in though in the second half. Yeah, once they probably like looked at the stat line oh. and the scores real quick. Whoa, is this a football what's game? Let me yeah. go see what's going on here. Let, let me see if Russell Wilson fell off a cliff if he's still yeah. in this football game. Exactly. Uh, number two for me, and I'm assuming you probably have the same, is the Minnesota Vikings going yes. to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, this is a big game for both teams. If Philly wants to be for real and what we're building them to be. And, you know, a lot of people, not just us, predicted them to win the NFC East. I, I know the competition's not the same out there, but this is a, a playoff caliber team, right? Um, they need to prove it. And Minnesota, another playoff caliber team, look, sure did look the part in week one, more so than Philly. But both of these teams have a lot to prove. And I know it's only week two, but, like, this is going to be tough sledding for for both. Um I didn't look at the line, but I'm sure Philly gets the nod just because the the home team and the home teams, you know, being the home teams worth three points, yeah. right? So like, I'm sure it's uh, that that tilts in their favor. We'll talk about who we like to to win in and lose the game in in a moment here, but I think that's that's priority number two for the weekend. Yeah, other, yeah. Other than that, you're right. The the games on the docket for week two are, I mean, listen, it's week two. I'm a, I'm excited to see any football. Yeah. But you're right. It's uh, it's it's, it's Lackluster. All right. Lou, this is where we begin to wrap it up for the week because we don't have our, our fantasy segment, mm-hmm. which is usually how we close it down. So now it's time to do our pickums and sprint through the schedule. I'm going to bring it up in just a moment. Yes, Lou did win by, I want to say, seven to ten games last year. Yeah, I, I did good last year. Yeah, you, you definitely did good. And because um, of that, I thought, Han, so I just want to let you know my thought process going to week one and making the picks I did. I was feeling myself. I'm like, I know this stuff. I got this. And I got really cute with a couple of games, which I'll tell you right now, I was this close from looking like a freaking genius. The Jacksonville Jaguars game, I, ha- I had the Jaguars winning. And you know what? They were this close. If Travis Etienne didn't drop that that touchdown, or uh, there's a couple other plays too. So, And I picked the Houston Texas to beat the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, this close. From uh from winning that from uh from looking like a genius, but uh there was a couple other games too. Uh, I got I got I got a cute. Well, we both we both lost that game because I picked the Colts right, and a, a tie is a loss, right? So we both lost that game. Um, you got you got cute with the the Green Bay Minnesota game. I think you knew what that outcome was going to be. Um, <laughs> but the reality is is for because we didn't pick the Thursday night game, we didn't pick uh the. Uh, we Rams. picked the Thursday. Yeah, we did. I got the text message to show you, son. All right, hold up, hold you up, picked, hold you up. Picked, you picked the Rams. I picked the Bills. Well, now things get a little bit more interesting. I got the record up here. Okay. So the hole's not as big as I I thought. You do got the record, and Two we just games. put it out there. Two games. No, one game. No, I got. I'm I, I'm eight and eight, and you're and you're ten and six. No, I'm nine and seven. Uh, I must have missed a game. Okay. Uh, I, oh, I'm ten and six. Yeah, you're ten and six, right? No, I'm nine and seven. Oh, I, I must have. Uh, you know, counting is not my uh, my forte. Right, because we both had Saints, Eagles, but we missed Panthers, Niners, Bengals. Yeah. You had Colts. I had Texans. We missed that. We both had Miami. We both had Baltimore. Um, I had Washington. You had Jacksonville. 
we both had Tennessee. We both had Kansas City. We both had Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Minnesota. You had Green Green Bay. We both had Tampa. We both had Denver. So that'd be two games on Sunday, and then the Thursday would make it a one-game gap. Yeah. All right, yeah. so – as of right now, week one after week one, Lou is eight and eight. Weston is nine feel, and seven. Feel a little better about myself now. I'm feeling a little worse about myself, actually. <laughs> so let's go ahead and we'll run through the docket of games here. First up, Thursday night, Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. No matter what happens, this game's gonna be phenomenal, right? It's gonna be exciting. It's it's good. I'm I want to see the over under how many wow throws between both quarterbacks. I'm going to set the I'm going to set the number of four and a half, and I'm going to say over uh, okay. from wow throws. Like what the hell? So, um, but I just think you know this is not me being a Debbie Downer. This is just I am not a homer. I'm a realistic person. Um, it's a lot for the Chargers to come out and win this game. Uh, they had a, a tough divisional game against the Raiders at home. Uh, emotions were high. It was a revenge game. Just feel like between Keenan Allen being banged up, the uncertainty of J.C. Jackson, uh, that's it's going to be a lot to overcome going going to Kansas City to overtake Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to say Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I'm saying Chiefs too. Um, I just think two West games. I think the Keenan Allen injury is going to loom a little bit larger um, in this particular game. Uh, they have like other playmakers, but still, I just, I just. Mahomes scares me. Always will. I mean, that listen, guy's... you you guys went into Arrowhead last year and smacked them around. So I know, it's, I know. It's it's possible, and this is the time of year to do it. Like, still decent weather, right? Like, it ain't uh, cold yet. I'm gonna uh, give you a, a, a. This is how I think. If someone comes off a big game, kind of like what the Chargers did, I feel like it's hard to carry over that emotion the following week, and I feel like there's always a letdown. So, yeah. Um. I agree. Um, so I'm, I'm Chiefs as well. Next mm-hmm. up is the the Jets at the Browns. Ooh, at the, at the Browns. Hmm. You want to go first this one? Yeah, I'm going Browns. I have no confidence in Joe Flacco led New York Jets. That's the problem, man. It's Joe Flacco. Yeah. Um, I think if they were, if I felt confident they were going to play Mike White, and that still could potentially <laughs> happen because it's Tuesday and we're picking Sunday games at this point, like I change it. But um, based on what I know at this point in the week, I have to go Cleveland. It's Plus, they just, got a super new corny fucking logo they're putting on their field. I just, I still, I do like so, with some of the things that Jets are doing. I just don't like Flacco, and that for that reason, I'm going Cleveland. Yeah, I'm, I'm Cleveland too. Um, all right, the Washington Commanders at the Detroit Lions. Oh, this is easy. At Detroit. At Detroit. Oh, this is a finger layup. This is a finger roll here. I'm going Detroit, baby. Me too. Detroit looks my, great. They yeah. look great. They're they're just so close. They just bro. they just, you know what I mean. Need, they just need to build a defense, man. Detroit. Yep. But. Um. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. Ooh, this is rough. This is, I know, you know, Tampa Bay. I know Tampa Bay, you know, beat the Cowboys, but they don't think they look that great either. Nope. You got Godwin out. I'm, 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 
So who's home? New Orleans? Yep. Give me New Orleans. I'm the Saints as well. That's just the Saints they have, have they their have number. Their, they have their yeah. number, man. They have their number, and God Godwin less and no true tight end threat down in Tampa Bay. New Orleans defense matches up well. Yeah. Um, Offensive so, lines banged up. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with Donovan Smith, their, their left tackle. So yeah, yeah. no. I know yeah, he going. hurt his elbow. So I'm I'm going I'm going with the home team. Yeah. Um, all right, Carolina Panthers at the New York Football Giants. Hey, you can go this one first. I'm still marinating on this one. I, I got to go back to what we were talking about with the Giants, right? The the belief in Dable, etc., I think he accomplished what he needed to in week one. And now I think we see a little bit of a, a comeback to reality and it's revenge game for Ben McAdoodle. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to roll it. I, to me, this is, this is a, a 50, 50, this is a coin flip. Um, so why we're even noodling over it. So I'm not going to get cute. I'm going to say <coughs> the Carolina Panthers. I'm going Panthers too. <coughs> I am going Panthers too. When I, when you were talking, I was just thinking. I just feel like let's not get ahead of ourselves now with the New York Giants. From a talent no. standpoint, they're not that they're not there yet. And you're talking about the Panthers, but the Panthers do have some talent. They do. Um, things started to click a little bit for them. Um, I think you, you saw McCaffrey's like lack of involvement and or production, and I think you'll see a little bit more production from him this week. Uh, New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is rough because we don't know yet. This is early in the week that we're recording. But we don't know what's going on with Mac Jones. Yeah. And then again, we also don't know what's going on with Najee Harris. Um, then you got – I'm going to say, believe it or not, I'm going to say the New England Patriots. Um, multiple reasons. Um, you got Pittsburgh coming off a big win. You got no – you know, uh, Watt. Harris, if it is a, a foot injury, I don't know how he's going to be effective, uh, to be honest with you. And if there's no running game, do you really think Trubisky can lead against a New England defense? I don't. I don't think this is the same New England defense. I don't even think it's close to the same talent in New England right now. I'm just going – I'm going defense versus defense, and I think Pittsburgh has – even without Watt, has the better defense. So I'm, right. I'm taking the Steelers in this game. That's our, that's our first that's our first differentiation. I will want to say an asterisk here though. If Mac Jones doesn't play, I, I would go obviously I'm going Steelers. I mean, who is it? Stidham? <laughs> I can't like yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Who's yeah, so I just want to put an asterisk there. I mean, we are recording so early. Yeah, yeah. Um all right. Colts at Jags. Colts. Yeah, me too. Colts put up a dud last week, and they they just this is Frank, a Frank Reich team. I like, can't can't do it again. The Jags do the Jags do play them tough, but I just think they need like some more time to get acclimated with each other. Yeah. Especially on the it's it's, side of the ball. it's a division it's a divisional game, which always makes it tough. Um, but revenge yeah, game, revenge game too from last year. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. That that's the game that kept them out of the playoffs, didn't it? Um. All right. Dolphins at Ravens. This is tough. Because um, Lamar has always had trouble 
against this these this Dolphins defense. Ugh. Who's home? Baltimore. Give me the home team, Baltimore. I don't like it. <clears throat> I I mean, I'm actually pretty a little bit more confident this. This is how I know that New England's defense isn't the same defense as always because, like, they made Tua look good last week. Now, I know Miami always plays New England tough, right? Like, we talk about who's got numbers, but even, even like, Lamar against the Jets kind of felt like a, a shell of himself, right? Like, he mm-hmm. didn't have to do much. Like, that was a mop-up game um, anyway for the most part, but I just think uh, – I think we'll get a little bit more Lamar in, in, in this game, and that's going to be enough. So I'm Ravens as well. Next game is Falcons at the Rams. Rams. Yeah, Rams. We can move on to the next. No explanation needed. Um, the Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers. Niners. We already kind of we kind of alluded to this before already. Yep. Saying that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl already. Yeah, they, they they are winners for the 2022 t- season. Yeah. Um, Bengals at Cowboys. Bengals. Yeah. It, if Dak was there, this I might think a little bit differently because I, I do think the Bengals are in for a rude awakening with a uh, Super Bowl hangover. And um, this is the other thing that I had in one of my freaking out segments about Cincinnati, who's, you know, what was the knock last year on that team? Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. But yet they went and bolstered that offensive line and they still gave up seven sacks last week. Can, can I can I say something? Yeah. When are we going to – I'm not saying it wasn't, but when are we going to start looking at the quarterback as part of the problem? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just saying. Yeah. Everyone – everyone the, the Herbert haters saying like he um, – he throws. I know he can throw far, but he throws a lot of short passes, right? Where Burrows is kind of the contrarian, where he throws a lot of you know deep passes, right? So four that, picks, that feast or famine type stuff, it's going to lead to those sacks, man. It sure is. Um, Texans at Denver. Denver. Yeah, they got to get it right. Like there's just no other way around it. Um, let's ride. <clears throat> yeah, let's ride. Cardinals at Raiders. Raiders. Raiders here. Wow. I have no Not... faith in I have no faith in, in yeah. uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, I think the Chase Edmonds loss looms huge. Too much asked of James Conner, and last year was an anomaly, candidly. Um, and no the coach sucks. No... That's all I had to say. Yeah. That's all I have to say. The yeah. coach sucks. And and no DeAndre hurts. Mm-hmm. Hurts a lot. Um Sunday night, the Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. You got to think Packers here. I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. Evident last year when he literally said, I own you when he was in their stadium. Um, Pat, I am almost tempted to because I know this. I know there's too many similarities between like week one last year when this the Saints came in and like Timberland stomped the Green Bay Packers. And I do think evident by this last week one performance, like not having that true number one wide receiver or even just anybody that he's Aaron Rodgers is remotely confident in is going to present issues. Um, 
And side note, I do think we're about to see a changing of a guard where AJ Dillon's going to start getting a lot more totes and burn thought, than than Aaron Jones as well. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Packers here too. So the only game we have different is well, is... we still got one more. Okay, Monday night, two Monday night games, mm-hmm. which this is the dumbest thing ever because ABC owns ESPN, and you're literally competing with yourself. Because there's a 7:15 start and an 8:30 start. The only way you're not competing with yourself is if Buffalo puts this game away against Tennessee in the first hour and 15 minutes. Which um, is possible. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. But you got the Titans at Buffalo. Bills Mafia roll. I know. I know the Titan. I know the Titans. They handed that they uh, handed them a beatdown last year. I'm going to say something, and I'm going to actually apologize, Weston, because. I kind of think you were onto something earlier uh, from one of our shows. We're talking about Derrick Henry and the injury. Do you see Derrick Henry get depleted? Oh, I saw the Giants. It. Oh, I saw it. He wasn't running with explosion. He was lumbering, and the fact I, 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 I think you might have been onto something, man. Dude, I'll, I'll, I'll own when I'm wrong. And I thought, my God, Derrick Henry will be fine. But between the offensive line regressing and and Derrick Henry uh, not looking like himself still. Here, here, I don't know much, but here's what I do know. And I feel the same way about Russell Wilson right now. I'm not even going to try to lie the sugarcoat. I feel I feel more strongly about it with Derrick Henry than I do Russell. But injuries, right? Like when somebody has not necessarily been injury prone, the first time it happens – it's natural that now the body starts to break down, right? Like it just happens. But more importantly, it affects the mental. When you can go out there and run around and be like, I'm Derrick Henry. I run over people. I'm bulletproof, right? I'm literally bulletproof. And then you get shot and you're like, I'm not bulletproof. That plays games, man. That plays games. Like when these guys come back from ACLs and and other things too, like, getting over that mental hurdle of like making a few cuts and taking a few licks and doing those things like that stays with you. That does. I don't care who you are. That goes away. And I'm, I'm just telling you, like you're not going to see the same Derrick Henry um, that we, we all know. And like, was so exciting to watch. And it's not his fault. It's just, it's why running backs have short shelf lives. It's why the average NFL career is three years, right? Like it's just all these things happen. So um, I, I'm Buffalo in that game. I do think Tennessee will put up more of a fight um, and will look cleaner than they did against the Giants. Like I do some, t- I do very much believe in the you play to your competition, and I think a Mike Vrabel coach team is up to the task. I just think Buffalo is too much right now. Oh yeah, they're just too much. Um, so we only got one game different. We got one more to go. Can oh really? Yeah. Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, you can start this one. I, I've been on the last four. I'm going Minnesota. They're Minnesota. the road team, by the way. I don't know who's going to cover Jefferson, man. You can't right now, by the way. <laughs> Side note, you mentioned I do have him in fantasy, and I overpaid for him, but by the end of the year, I'm going to look like a genius overpaying for him. The only thing that hurts – is I paid a lot of money for him in our budget. 
in a half a point PPR. So that is like a little bit of a drawback, but his stat lines are ridiculous, dude. I got to go. I got to go. I, I got to go Minnesota. I just don't know who's going to cover Jefferson. I just don't. And you know what's sad, too? Is that the Eagles' defensive backfields? I mean, like you got big play yeah, slay, you got still, guys, still, but Jefferson's take, different. It's going to take them time, time to you know, uh, to really to work through their kinks and get, you know get that communication down, you know, down pat. I mean, look, we both think the world of Jairi Alexander, and Jefferson was out flat out embarrassing him yeah. in that that Green Bay game. So the so only game. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to ask if, uh, if you know, never been done before. At the WTF pod here, can I go back and change a game for the just for for purposes of uh, to make this interesting? What game? The Ravens game. You're gonna go with the Dolphins. I'll go with Dolphins. Okay. Well, we have now two games different. Yeah, I, ha- I have to switch it up here. This is getting right. too freaking boring. I'll take the Dolphins. Pitt and Patriots. Hey, sometimes that's strategy, dude. Hey. If we're anything at this, the We're Talking Football podcast, we're strategic, right? It's it's too early in the season to just be given away this season is the way yeah. that it boils down yeah. to. All right, Lou, that's a that's a wrap for us content-wise. You know, we're a little rusty, but, you know, we got back out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. recaps. We knocked the, we knocked the, the rust off those breaks for sure. Um, <laughs> I think I said it, something else. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, that rust will remain forever. Um, but as I always do, sir, I will rely on you to let everybody know where they can find us. Yeah, you got to find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. Uh, make sure you hit that like button, that follow button when every time we post something. And Weston, where can they find us on YouTube? I will tell us YouTube in a second, but I'm still going to I'm going to let this ride. Uh, let's ride. Let's ride. The 20. 20- through the 2022 NFL season. If we can get to 500 YouTube subscribers by the end of the 2022 NFL season, Lou, it still stands. I will still yeah, take Lou, you out to that Lou dinner that I promised. No, bro. I'm letting it go for two years, bro. That might be an indictment on us at this point. <laughs> Not lowering the bar. I'll let it linger. Um, I don't really Yo, care I, how I need years. like I need like 440 new friends. That's what I need. You know what I mean? That's what it comes down to. About to run for politicians in my hometown and just be like, yo, I'll, I'll push your agenda. You just need to go follow my YouTube page. <laughs> you ain't getting on that docket with your history. <laughs> That's true, too. Well, I mean, good news is it's Red Bank. They're looking for corrupt people um and i'm right up their alley but uh you can find us uh, on youtube at we're talking football uh hit the like hit the subscribe you'll be notified when the the videos come out and released we're gonna have a nice little wrinkle for you in a couple weeks um try to get a little maybe like sunday morning content that that we can flip and turn around if you're looking if you pace around the house waiting for the one o'clock kickoffs like lou and i do I'll give you a little something to tune into, but we'll we'll save what that's about until we get to that point. But until then, Lou, always a pleasure. Week one in the books. Just 17 more of these to go. <laughs> Adios.